When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. What up, y'all? It's your boy Fletcher coming at you live and direct. And I just jumped off the porch with dirty glove bastards. Tell me you in love with me. Oh, baby. baby yeah, you know that I'm in love with you. I got faith. All right, y'all. So we got young Fletcher off the porch today. You didn't came with the vibes. I'm excited. <laughs> I, I tried. I tried. A little razzle-dazzle. Now, is this your... I know this isn't your first time in Atlanta, but... When you do come, what do you normally get into? When I come to Atlanta, I lived in Atlanta before. So I stayed here for like four and a half years. Atlanta is like my second home, you know what I'm saying? I'm visiting my people's um, studio, of course. Um, home shit, you know, the shit you do at home, you know what I'm saying? I don't really do, I'm not a big, big club person, but um, I do step out every now and then. So Atlanta is like, it's like coming to visit my second family. A lot of dope producers artists, writers. So it's like linking with a lot of creative people. Yeah. Now getting into your background, you didn't been in California, you didn't been yeah. all over. So I know that you moved to Win Winston-Salem. Is that how you pronounce it? Winston-Salem. Winston-Salem. Winston <laughs> you gotta say it with a twain, Winston-Salem. Like you gotta put Ooh. that Salem in there, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but we, but for sure we call it Trefo. You call it what? The Trefo. Trey. Trefo. Trefo. Yeah. So what was like life like for you in Trefo? I mean, Trefo is really what taught me. Hell, it taught me everything. It taught me the, the hustle. Um, I, you know, fortunately, I wasn't like able to be born into like, you know, the, the suburbs and stuff like that. So for me, it was always trying to better myself and, and I wanted better. You know what I'm saying? So Winston, Trefo really just taught me to hustle and, and, and it really made me who I am today, for real. And how was the culture back then for people who didn't know? The culture back then as far as like? As far as when you first got out there. So you asking like when I first started doing music? Mm -hmm. and, and I started when I was like 14, 13, 14 years old and I kind of was, in the beginning, I danced before I sung. Like singing wasn't really my thing, you know what I'm saying? But I had to because my grandparents were pastors and they was like, you gotta do something. You're gonna sing, you're gonna be an usher, you're gonna do something in the church. And um, I just felt like singing was the easiest thing, you know what I'm saying? But as far as jumping off the porch and really starting there, um, it's a lot of a lot of dope artists paved, was paving the way, you know what I'm saying? I was. Fantasia's from High Point, which is maybe 15 minutes from Winston. And um, like I knew them, I knew her, her brothers and everybody before really becoming an artist, you know what I'm saying? So I was watching them do it and I kind of had, I had a little bit of guidance from that, you know what I'm saying? And of course, singing in church and doing different things like that kind of made, made me popular in the area. And it, was, it wasn't as bad, it became, I didn't understand, how can I say it? I didn't really understand the, 
dynamics of the music business back then. I just wanted to sing. It wasn't nothing. It was. It didn't have anything to do about making money. It, I just wanted to sing. So for me, that's I was doing that, and that's what it was. You know what I'm saying? So I loved it. Like starting out, like those was like my fine times. Like I really loved it starting out. And coming from like you know the being a pastor's kid, like all of that stuff. Did you ever once think that you would probably sing gospel music? For sure, definitely. Um, it's, it's funny you ask that. I feel like my purpose is, um, I make music for struggling souls. I make music for people who have probably been through some things in life, you know what I'm saying? If you haven't experienced a lot, you probably wouldn't be able to relate to my music. Don't mean you won't like it, but you may not be able to relate to it. Um, I learned at an early age, like I said, 13, 14, like what the anointing meant. Um, I learned how to make people scream, cry, and shout, all under, all under the tone of my voice. You know what I'm saying? And to me, that was, that was, that was, a, it was crazy. It was a gift. And I didn't even realize how powerful the gift was. Um, me being honest now, like I used to go out to the club and have a good time and I would go to church the next morning and sing on the praise team, toe up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> God, forgive me, Lord, forgive me. But I used to go there lit. I'm talking about probably still smell alcohol on me. But even in the midst of all of that, I still was able to sing a song and, and it could make that person cry. I could sing a song and it had that person excited and, you know what I'm saying, running around the church. I could sing a song that uh, just kind of put you in your feelings. And I, when I realized I could do that with the tone of my voice, that's when I really knew, like, like, this is what I'm destined for. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. So, yes, to answer your question, um, I always thought I would do gospel, to be honest. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was one of my homeboys, uh, Boss Bundles. I probably, again, I was about 15 years old, 16, and um, he asked me to do a hook for him. And at that time, you know what I'm saying, I was, my grandparents weren't really going for it. That's why I stayed with, it was their rules that was devil's music to them, you know what I'm saying? But uh, he asked me to do a hook and I did it. And like the people responded to it crazy. Like they really like took to it well. So I realized I could make money and you know, I, re I really wasn't making money in the church. So when I realized I can go and make $300, $400, $500 doing hooks and features, I just became like the hook king, like, you know, in that area in North Carolina. And uh, it happened fast, you know, it happened real fast. So, uh, but to circle back around, my destiny, my final destination probably will be gospel. It probably will be gospel. Wow, I love that. I'm ready, right. I'm like, ready I mean, that's just, that's just being honest. Like my, I feel like, again, my purpose is to feed those struggling souls, is to like really like, you know what I'm saying, for people who are going through shit, for people who, really have been through hard situations and didn't really see a way out. I'd have been through shit that I didn't want to talk about. I didn't think it was cool to talk about, but now I'm at a place where it's like, talk about that shit, put it out like, it's somebody going through it, regardless of what it looked like or regardless of what the fuck social media paint. It's people really out there going through some shit. You know, social media paint you living your best life while your lights off. So I, again, my, my, my ultimate destination would probably be gospel. Like, that's probably what it would be. And just circling back to where you are, you currently live in Charlotte. So what made it motivated you to make that move? By the time I had moved to Charlotte, I had already lived in 
Atlanta, I had already lived Baltimore, uh, of course Cali. I had kind of already been around New York. I'd have been everywhere. And um, Charlotte is like an hour, hour 15, hour 20 minutes away from home, from, from, from Trefo. So I felt like it was close to my family. I, I didn't really like the idea of being so far away from them. Um, so Charlotte, when I made that move, it's really been the best. It was, it's, it's, for me, it was the best move because it's not super expensive. Uh, it's a lot of dope artists, you know, out of the area. Um, a lot of dope producers. So it, it really it wasn't bad. And I had already been on the scene coming from the trade. Like, North Carolina was so big. So I had already had a, a somewhat of a buzz. So moving to Charlotte was a, it was a smooth situation. So from, the, from us outsiders, we see y'all doing what y'all need to do in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. But since you live there personally, how would you describe the current music scene there? I mean, it's coming up. I mean, it's a lot, a lot, a lot of dope artists. Like, I mean, it's so many of them. And, and I remember when I, again, when I first started, I don't want to say the talent wasn't as great because it was some dope talent back then. But now it's like creativity everywhere you look. Like it's the kids are fucking doing TikToks and, and it's dope. You know what I'm saying? So creativity is all around. Um, but it's some dope, it's some dope, dope artists. You know what I'm saying? You got, I mean, of course, you got the baby who came from there. You got Anthony Hamilton. Uh, you got Fantasia again who lives there. Um, and even all the up and coming artists like Hot Boy Shaq. Uh, shout out to Shaq. I see he just did an interview with you guys. Uh, you got uh, Mimi Bennett. You got a lot of dope artists coming out of the area that's just on their shit. You gotta, you gotta, I mean, you, you gotta respect it. Like, it's a lot of dope talent come, coming from Charlotte, coming from North Carolina as a whole. So, yeah. And just going back into your church background and how you said you started singing in the church, talk about the influence of the church and how it builds you up in the future as an artist. Oh, man. Um, Again, we had the, we, we, we didn't have an option to just sit in the audience, you know, or in the congregation um, while church was going on. We had to figure something out. I mean, at that time they had step teams, they had uh, us, you, could, you had to be usher. Again, you was gonna sing on the choir. You was gonna do something if it, if it. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles? And a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Had anything to do with my grandmother or my aunt. So again, I felt like singing was the easiest. You know what I'm saying? I felt like I really didn't even know how well I could sing. I just was singing, you know what I'm saying? And again, the gift that I had was moving people in a way that I didn't see it really, you know, I, I, it was other people coming up to sing, it was other singers in the area, and they were doing their thing, but not trying to toot my own horn, but it was something, it was, a, it was a gift that God planted in me that really 
move people, you know what I'm saying? It really, really moved people. So it kind of, I took that, I took that gift God gave me and I, I wanted to reach a, 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 a more, I wanted to reach the mass. And, that, and that's not to say that the church, you know, can't reach the mass, but at that time, I mean, I was, I was, a, I was a young boy, so I was out here still doing young boy stuff. Even though, even though I was in the church, I still was, you know what I'm saying, stealing cars, selling, you know, drugs. I still was doing all of that and caught felonies in the mix of it, you know what I'm saying? So I was fucking up pretty bad, but I didn't want to seem like a phony. I didn't want to seem like a fraud, you know what I'm saying? I want, make, I want to make sure when people really, when they get that side of me, you're getting the peer side. I know I, I, if, if, I, if, if I put it on me, it's going to be some fuck ups, you know what I'm saying? I'm always, I'm flawed. So I just took it and put it, in the secular, I put it in the secular world and I made it make sense. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to make sure um, people could relate. I know it's a, you know, the, the generation is what we're supposed to worry about. That's who we really supposed to focus on, especially, um, you know, coming up in a time like this with, with everything that's going on. So I feel like my, me, what I contribute to that is, 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 is the music that they can relate to. Again, we can make the songs about going in the club and popping bottles and we can drive the fancy cars. All that shit is dope. It's, you know, it's fun. It's, it's a lifestyle. But when you get down to the get down, when, you, when the motherfucker with the most money is still depressed, when the person that ain't got nothing still depressed, looking and hearing all those songs that, you know what I'm saying, going in the club, shit they can't even afford. What, how can I, how can I feed that soul? You know what I'm saying? So that's how I really entwined it. I, put, I took the church and took what it taught me and I just applied it to, to the people. At what moment did, were you like, okay, I gotta get out the streets, I gotta start taking music seriously, like I gotta go all in? I mean, so boom, it was, um, it was a manager I had named Bobby Fisher. Shout out to Bobby, man. He was, uh, he, he was really one of the first ones that like really took me under his wing in like the music business and like showed me the ropes, you know what I'm saying? And um, I mean, he just was giving me real shit. I like money, I like nice things, we all like nice things. So for me, it wasn't, it wasn't just like get out the streets and do music full time, because I'm looking at it like, I'd have been in that place where you fucking in the studio recording and you go outside your car going because it got repoed. Or you the you, you know what I'm saying? You can't pay the you can't pay the bills, so you got a victor. I've I personally experienced all of that, chasing the dream. So for me, it was like I can't. I'm a man first, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like priority is is, is what's important. That's first and foremost. So for me, I I I I, I was in the streets because that's what it, it was. It was making a way for that. But then Bobby had that conversation with me. He was just like, Yo, you can't to really do this shit. You can't have one foot in the streets and one foot in the music business. Like it's, and I didn't understand that at first. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, bro, you want me to stop making money? You want me to fucking just do this shit full time and be broke? He was like, your life got to depend on it. And really, honestly, that was the wake up call. Like it was that conversation. Like I, I knew it. I can articulate it. I could say it. I know. I mean, I'm smart, so I knew. I knew that. But hearing it from him, really, like just sat with me and was just like, that. You're right, bro. Like I, if I could give my all to this music. Like I'm talking about my, 
100% all to this music, like shit really can, it can really, it can really take off. And that's what it did. That's what it did. And it's crazy that you say like how you cannot be in the streets and try to pursue, pursue music at the same time because we see people trying to do that and then we also see what that leads to. I mean, you gotta look at it like this. You really put everything you're working so hard for in jeopardy. As much as we like to think we got shit under control, we ain't, we don't know when, the, when none of that shit gonna happen. You know what I'm saying? I never knew when the feds was gonna run in on my situation when they did, but I thought I knew it all. You know what I'm saying? I thought I could, I thought I could jug it. I thought I could handle both of it, and it proved me wrong. And like you said, it always ends one way, and it's always bad. You know what I'm saying? You go into jail, fucking uh, probation. You can't go nowhere. You can't go do shows. It just it, it ends bad. Death. It's just so many, and I and I'll be sitting here lying to tell you that I don't think about sliding back over there. You know what I'm saying? Because the money's good and it's fast money. But again, everything you're working hard for, you're putting all that shit in jeopardy. And I know you got kids. I know a lot of people got kids and they gotta, they gotta feed them. And they gotta, got, you know, to even do this music shit, it's expensive. You gotta pay for studio time. You wanna pay for your drip. You wanna look a certain way. But you gotta also, you gotta, you gotta really step out on faith and know that God really gonna take care of everything. And that's what it is for me. That's what I stand on with everything. So I don't really, I don't worry. I don't, it's, it's some shit I don't worry about. Like my granddad told me a long time ago, like, don't worry about shit you can't control or fix. So that's just my thought process through a lot of shit. And while pursuing your career, what would you say was the biggest risk that you took that ended up paying off? Mm, the biggest risk that I took that ended up paying off, the biggest risk. I mean, this whole journey I've been on has been taking risk. You know what I'm saying? And as far as what's paying off, me sitting here having a conversation with you, you know what I'm saying? And talking about my journey is paying off. You know what I'm saying? So I look at, uh, not to keep being so spiritual, you know what I'm saying? But that's really who I am. Like I'm a, I'm a spiritual individual and I don't, I don't hide that. I feel like that's who I am. And I feel like if I can't give you that, then you ain't getting me. But as far as like what sacrifices I had to take to get to where I'm at, I mean, one of the ones that stick out the most, I remember my grandmother, um, she was diagnosed with cancer and they gave her six months to, six months to live. And um, we got this thing back at home called the uh, Super Jam. And I had a song on the radio, it was buzzing. But my, my grandmother was like, hospice was there, you know? So when hospice is there, it's like pretty much the end. And um, I remember all my family, everybody was at the crib, you know what I'm saying, waiting for grandma to take her last breath. And I was uh, getting ready to perform on stage. And literally, like no bullshit, literally five minutes before I walked on stage, my cousin had called me and was like, grandma just passed. Now this is my grandmother who I live with. This is the grandmother who you know, pretty much raised me. So of course, it was a mother figure to me and it was hard, but I remember, um, my dad being there and he just like, yo, you gotta go through with this shit. You gotta go on stage. Cause I didn't want to go on stage. I didn't want to perform. I didn't want to do any, any, I just wanted to go be with my family at that time. But anyway, I walked on stage and um, I remember in the middle of my performance, I, I of course let some tears out, but I kept pushing through it. And that was to me, one of the biggest obstacles. It was like, I had a decision to go be with my family or to go do what I, like what I was, my dream. And I knew, I, in my mind, I felt like that's something my grandmother would have wanted me to do. So that, for me, 
was big. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm all about family. I'm all about making sure they straight. So being away from them and having to go and put on this mask and to perform in front of 10,000 plus people uh, and just being around all of that just kind of made me also realize like this is what I was born to do. I could push through anything. If I could push through that shit right there who, like again, that's my mother basically who just passed away and I'm walking on stage to perform. Um, to me, that was an obstacle. That was a, that was a, a major test from God. I feel like life is a test, you know what I'm saying? So that test for me was, I feel like I passed that test because I, I went out there and I did my thing, you know what I'm saying? And of course I went to my family after that, but that right there showed me I could do this. There wasn't nothing that could stop me after that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Wow. Wow. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba da ba ba ba. Now I'm finna get in your business a little bit. Mm, <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Now let's dive into the situation with Yo Gotti. So why did you end up suing him? Um, basically that whole situation. I guess I'm, I'm gonna say it, it was a misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. And the reason it was a misunderstanding is because we were under that. Well, we, we paid him to do the record. He did the record. Um, everything was going smooth. Word had got back to me that, you know what I'm saying, he wanted to work, me, work with me and sign with me. But the only thing is, the fucking the king of Memphis, of course I want to work. You know, I'm, it's a privilege, you know what I'm saying? I take that as an honor and a privilege. And on top of that, he's one of my favorite rappers. So him wanting to work with me outside of, you know, us paying for the feature or whatever was, was big. But when we got more in depth with the situation, um, they wanted me to, I think they wanted me to sign with them, work with them on that level, but I couldn't do that because my label, who I work with, just paid, just dropped the bag for the feature. So I didn't know if that was like a loyalty thing. I didn't know if it was like maybe uh, they tested me, you know what I'm saying, to see if I'm disloyal. But of course I'm loyal as fuck, so I couldn't leave a situation that just did that. And it just didn't make sense. So long story short, after that took place, uh, after me pretty much letting them know that I couldn't move forward, um, pretty much all communication stopped. You know what I'm saying? We, we were talking, everything was smooth. We was getting the clearance because you know you have, you have to have a clearance from an artist of that status before you can just put the fucking record out. Now you can put it out on some promotional use, mixtape use, but you ain't gonna make no money. I do this shit because I love what I do, but I also do it for a check, you know what I'm saying? So. We were getting the clearance, and again, once I pretty much declined the situation, all communication stopped. And it was a very unfortunate situation because I never thought in a million years uh, I would have to go the route that I had to go, you know what I'm saying, to get my just due, you know what I'm saying, just be done right by. Um, so my label at that time ended up taking a lawsuit out on them. And from there, it kind of forced us to sit face to face. But the, the good part about the whole thing is we sat down, we hashed it out. He's a real stand-up dude. I personally don't believe it was Gotti that was doing a lot of the, you know, the, the fuck-ups. I believe it was a team. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? When you're a person of that status, you got a team of people that, that handle things. And we were dealing with the team. 
And I think the team just didn't really always handle the situation the way that they probably should have and things went left. But again, we hashed it out as grown men. Uh, shout out to God and shout out to the whole CMG camp. Uh, we came back, we got a new rec a record uh, called Truth Be Told. Did phenomenally well. Uh, Y'all go download that, it's on all platforms. But yeah, shout out to God, man. Like we, it's no smoke, it's no beef. He's a real businessman. Like, I mean, sitting down and talking to him face to face, like, like, bro, he's like, he's really smart. He's really intelligent. You know what I'm saying? And he handled that shit like a, like a boss. I feel like we came to an understanding and agreement and we were good. So we straight. And just after dealing with that situation, how happy were you to put everything behind and focus back onto the music? <sighs> I mean, shit. I mean, it was so much. I mean, that was, when it happened, it happened fast. Like, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it was one, the lawsuit, then TMZ, then Shade Room, then, you know what I'm saying? So it was just pretty much everywhere. So I couldn't escape it and I couldn't hide from it. Um, I never wanted to be put in the public light or, or even get praises of having to be an artist that sued a vet in the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, all the shit that people were saying was my thoughts before they even said it. Like, shit, this is over. It's over for me. Yeah, I might as well start finding another job, another situation. But um, again, walking by faith and just not overanalyzing and leading to the negative thoughts, um, shit worked out smooth. Like, it worked out real smooth, man. Like, it wasn't. I mean, of course, I got death threats. I got a whole bunch of hate, you know what I'm saying, suing the king of Memphis. But at the end of the day, business is business. We handled that. We good. And the shit just, it just smoothed itself out. It smoothed itself out. So it feels great to, it felt great to just be able to move forward because I was in a limbo. You got to understand, when you go and you get an artist of that status on a record, um, it don't come out, that kind of money was spent. Um, the people around start to lose faith. They start, they stop believing. And that's the shit you got to worry about, making sure your team don't stop believing because you can't do this shit by yourself. It take a machine to run it. So once your team stop believing because they're doing and have done everything to fucking, you know, everything that they could do to fix the situation and it wasn't working, um, it wasn't nobody but God, you know what I'm saying, that worked in our favor because we didn't, I mean, we ain't no, we, we ain't no broke niggas. But we didn't have the money. We don't have Yo Gotti money to be tussling and tangling with fucking Rock Nation and all of that and, and them attorneys. And you know what I'm saying? So again, it was, it was, it was divine favor with that. I believe, like, I really believe I got favor. You know what I'm saying? So, and I do write by people. I don't really, like, I don't believe in fucking people over like that. I don't, I don't get, I don't even, that shit don't make me feel good. To know that I maybe hurt somebody's feelings or did something fucked up to somebody, don't, I don't sleep good at night off of that type of shit. So me knowing that I do the right thing and I just felt like I was rewarded, you know what I'm saying? It felt like a reward, yeah. And getting into your music, you dropped your single Testimony mm -hmm. with Lil Baby and Lucky Nick. How sure. did this single come about? Oh man, I got a story for every goddamn thing. We can go on. Um, <laughs> so Testimony, the little, the little Baby record, um, shout out to Lucky Nick, man. Lucky Nick, He's right now incarcerated, he'll be home real soon. But long story short, um, he had paid Lil Baby for the feature. And I hope I'm saying this right. I know he paid him for the feature, but around the time he was trying to get everything together, he got incarcerated. And 
he had hit me up out the blue and was like, um, bro, I don't really trust nobody else to do this record or to do anything with this but you. So I took that as an honor and a privilege, you know what I'm saying? I didn't want to let him down. So what I did was um, me and my cousin Marco, shout out to Marco, we got together, um, got the beat made. I literally had like just his verse. He did it to a beat, but I don't want to say he did it to like some YouTube or some shit, but he, uh, he did it to a beat. So we had to take that, flip the whole beat, remake the beat. Then I had to come up with a, a chorus and I also had to make the shit make, I had to make it make sense. Um, I wanted to tell a story. I wanted to tell a real story. So the story that I'm telling is like, you know, I feel like we all been betrayed at some point. We all have been through some shit where a person that we was rocking with that did some sour shit. And I mean, it's happened to us all, like whether it be from school to now as an adult. And um, if you listen to the record, it basically tells you what happened with Lucky Nick and his situation. And I'm pretty much narrating it. You know what I'm saying? I've had it. I've had somebody betray me or do something fucked up, but I really had. I wanted to. I wanted to get down to your soul. I wanted to get down to your soul. So that's um, that record came about. Bro. It was dope. We, we put it together. I was nervous because again, a record with Lil Baby on it, and then Lucky Nick trusted me to do it. Um, I wanted to make sure that I can at least deliver to them and satisfy them, you know what I'm saying? Because they got to push the record with me. But um, yeah, the shit came out dope, man. It came out, it was love. Like everything was smooth, put it out, and it's, it's going up. I love the visual too. We actually got, took the time shout to watch to Mimi. it. Shout out to Mimi, shout out to Mimi. Uh, Mia actually sat down and came up with the treatment. And um, yeah, like we put that shit together. We directed it ourselves and we put the shit together. We wanted to be, I'm, I'm super abstract. I'm one of the artists that like the, um, I don't like to keep it, I want to keep it fresh. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like if you go back in time and you listening to, you know, when Jay-Z then was out and Destiny's Child, Beyonce and all of them people were out back then, music was a little bit more brighter. It was a little bit more creative. It, you know, people was putting on outfits. It was, it was more fun. Um, and that's what I wanted to do with this, this, this video. I wanted to make sure that it was creative. It was something that people could understand and basically relate to. Y'all yeah. did a really, really good job. And just the Shout single. Shout out Mimi. Yeah. <laughs> and the single alone, everybody meshed so well together. Like you could tell it was true chemistry there between the three of you guys. The, I, I, I bet to me means a lot. Cause again, I went through hell making sure that it was, that it gave that, you know what I'm saying? So that's what's up. I appreciate it. And you also just recently dropped your project titled Testimony as well. Yes, yes. What was the creative process like for this one? Um, it was fun. I can't even, it was fun. You know, I was traveling a lot. Uh, I knew what I wanted. I knew what I wanted to present to people. Um, I knew I had a lot of eyes and a lot of attention on me. So I knew I couldn't really drop the ball. Um, I just, I just, I couldn't over, I couldn't overthink it. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to overthink it. If it didn't feel good, we moved on. But if it was weird because it was like every record that we did, and I'm seriously saying like every record we did was like a vibe. And it was just fitting. Like we would go from one topic to the next topic to the next topic, and I mean, we cracking these records out. It got to the point where it was actually hard picking the tracks for the album. So you know what I'm saying? Like it was, 
It was love. I mean, it, it wasn't easy. It wasn't super easy, but it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. You know what I'm saying? I've been doing this for a while, I'm, and I've tried a thousand times putting out projects, and it was something simple as fucking doing what I've been doing and just uploading it to TuneCore and getting marketing and promoting it behind You know, marketing and promoting it and just getting the right people behind it, and that's really what I was lacking throughout my career, just getting the right folks. So it was fun. And I definitely saw the features, and I definitely saw how you had Yo Gotti on there, and I yeah. was like, I, yeah. you know, I had to go straight, yeah. straight yeah, to yeah, that yeah. one. I, mean, I get it. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's definitely something people want to people know about what happened, and I don't mm -hmm. mind talking about it. Um, I just don't want people to think that I'm going to come from a negative space. Where, you know what I'm saying? Like, at the end of the day, what happened, happened. I moved, We moved forward. And I think staying in that negative place only creates that negative energy around you. So everything is good. Like, no, I don't talk to your guy on the phone. No, we're not best friends. You know what I'm saying? And hopefully we'll get to we'll get there someday. But at the end of the day, uh, whether it do or we don't, I'm good either way. Like, he's in a good space. I'm in a good space. And we both make good music. And that's all that matters. You know what I'm saying? Entertaining the people. And the track was definitely fire. So... Yeah, I, I was messing with it. I appreciate that. That's love. And I know this isn't a fair question to ask, but mm. out of all of your tracks on Testimony, which one is like your favorite? Mm. That's tough. That's tough. My favorite. My favorite track. Can I do two? Okay. You my can, favorite track. We're gonna let you. We're gonna let you pick two. We're gonna let me pick two. Okay. My favorite two <laughs> tracks off the project. And I love my whole project because it's my baby. I birthed it, so I love it. Um, my favorite two tracks would definitely have to be, I got a song with Luke Nasty, and it's called Basement. Uh, and it's basically, you know, talking about the struggle. Um, it's, it's like a real journey, you know what I'm saying? It really tells you how, you know, we was recording in the basement for real. We was really like eating ramen noodles, like, fucking dollar Mc, Mc, you know, McDoubles at McDonald's. That's what we lived off of, chasing our dreams and seeing my brother Luke, you know what I'm saying, with two and three, you know, gold plaques, uh, song worldwide, you know what I'm saying? Seeing from where I was to where I'm at now and, and seeing, you know, the love and the respect that people give me, um, that, that record is powerful, you know what I'm saying? And then another record, I got a song called City Boys. Um, it's just a, it's a, it's, a, it's a vibe. It's just a dope record. It feel good. Um, and I think it's an anthem for the, you know, for the, for my fellas out there. It's an anthem for the fellas. I think we need it. You know, y'all got y'all anthems, and I'm a survivor songs and shit. So I just felt like that record right there is something that we probably can all, like us fellas, can relate to. So yeah, those two. So now that we have your project testimony, what else can we expect from you this year? Ah, so much, man. We got so much shit going. We got a, we got a tour we're planning right now. Um, I'm working on my new album, well, my new EP, I'm sorry. Um, I got a new single that I'm dropping next week called Sweet Tea. Uh, shout out to Trey, shout out to Sequence, shout out to the Hit Bangers, shout out my manager, Ked, everybody, Mike, C, uh, SDE, Mike, everybody on the team, Rise, who really like you know they really molding this whole situation you know what i'm saying we're going through the, the phase of making sure we don't make the wrong move but you really never know you know what i'm saying so we're jumping out we're jumping off the fuck we're jumping off the porch <laughs> and we got a lot of shit in store man um, i'm got new merch coming um 
working. It's a lot, a lot of good shit. You know what I'm saying? So just stay tuned. You're going to see a lot of me. I ain't going nowhere. I feel like I'd have paid my dues. I'd have paid, I'd have paid, I'd have been through the fire. And it's time for the, it's time to see some light. So I ain't letting up. I'm on their neck. You're going to see me. I'm here. <laughs> for real. And before we wrap up, any last words or shout outs? Oh, man. Uh, shout out to God. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to my moms, my grandma, my family, everybody who support me, genuinely support me. And even the ones who, you know what I'm saying? I don't really focus on haters and shit too much. I feel like haters is people motherfuckers who really just want to be a part of the situation. So we don't really address them too much. But shout out to everybody who really out there chasing their dreams, like really putting in the work and not letting nothing, nobody get in the way of that. Like, for real. Like, that's, that's it. Tell me you in love with me Oh baby Baby, yeah, you know that I'm in love with you I got flavor, yeah, this triple of When something happens to your kitchen, you might say This is ludicrous But that won't fix your home That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic Don't be alarmed You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there that's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.